You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership and conversation from visionary industry experts and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad and ProcureTech fanboy. And now here's this week's show. Yes, greetings and a very warm welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly dose of everything that is fun, innovative and exciting in the digital procurement space. And we're definitely not going to give you any interviews on here that make you yawn. And one of the things that I really like doing and being in the position to do with the show is to be able to showcase a little bit the companies out there that may not be that well known, but have really innovative or really simple, very valuable solutions out there to help the wider audience understand a little bit more about what they do and the sort of value proposition that they have that maybe don't have a big marketing budget to be able to sponsor some of these conferences uh, or sponsored content platforms. So both this week and next week, I'm going to be doing that. And this week, we're going to be talking to a company that solves a problem that I've really got frustrated with in the past, and that is vendor onboarding. Adding a new supplier in a big corporate organization can often feel like pulling teeth. And it's such a bureaucratic process. There's all of these documents and forms that internal audit and legal and whoever make everyone fill out. And if that's being done by Excel and email, it can often take weeks to do something that really should only take a day to get set up. So with my guest today, we're going to be having a conversation all around how an, how a digitized, automated vendor management and vendor onboarding system can save you a lot of hassle and a lot of issues and a lot of avoidable cost further downstream in your procure-to-pay process. So without any further ado, here is this week's guest. So Nick Fercrost of OCG Software, very warm welcome to the ProcureTech podcast. Thank you so much, James. Delighted to be here. So this is a solution that you've developed that enables vendor onboarding and then the ongoing supplier management of master data. Maybe just briefly before we jump in, just give a quick introduction in terms of how you can, because you've been around a while, right? But um, this is a growing problem, I see. Absolutely. I mean, we we are absolutely passionate about master data and the value that that data has to power your procurement operations. Uh, and actually, this was a business that was born out of a previous business that we had that was helping large companies to procure office supplies uh, all across the UK, being able to aggregate and manage those orders, orders for least cost routing. Um, and it was that technology that morphed itself into actually becoming the master data hub of your organization. And so what the platform is really all about, it's about giving you as a procurement team visibility of your supply chain through your master data so that you can then take control of that and use the tools within the platform to actually drive your procurement operations. And that's what it's all about. And I can actually tell a story of frustrations that I've experienced in the past around master data. It should be... a 
onboarding a supplier and getting a supplier into your system should be the easiest thing in the world. But in my personal experience, it, in my in a previous employer, it often took you know two weeks in some cases to get a supplier added. And why was that? Well, it was Excel and email based. The suppliers often didn't read the documents that you sent them through properly and just sent you and just sent you whatever they felt like rather than actually reading what our compliance uh, compliance requirements were. Stakeholders didn't understand the process. And yes, you could say that's just bad internal communication, which it was. Uh, but if you've got it all in an electronic format, that makes it much, much easier to manage. Approvals then often got routed to the wrong buyer, which then meant that they had to be rerouted to the right one. And in and in short, the end-to-end -end process, like I say, often took in excess of two weeks. In certain markets, we had more compliance requirements, rightfully so, because of emerging markets you now having more corruption scandals and that type of thing. So I understand why the processes were in place. But what I'm getting at was that the actual procedure was just incredibly inefficient and painful. And, you know, the age old point of, you know, why does someone who's on a, a strategic category manager salary, why should they be spending all of their time running around doing all of this administrative work? So with that said, who would be your typical client base for something like this? So just just to add to that point. Um, you know, I came into this actually as a supplier. So my pain point is the other side of exactly what you've described. So, you know, you've got buyers in an organization who don't understand the purchase journey. You've got procurement teams who get frustrated with their buyers because they've just lobbed another, you know, vendor over the fence to them and said, hey, can you get these guys set up with, you know, no preamble, no explanation of what's going on. You know, oh, oh, and by the way, they've already delivered something and we need a PO yesterday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I mean, the number of times as a supplier that I've been told by my buyer, don't worry, I'll find a way around procurement is, is, is shocking. Uh, but also it just completely devalues the role that procurement have in the organization, which, you know, wh why are we doing that? Why are we not trying to embrace that team and leverage them for all of the capability they've got? So, you know, I came at this very much from the supplier's frustration, which is, you know, we're just completely in the dark and we don't really understand what's going on. We don't understand why the process is taking so long and who we need to chase, call, email, whatever, to try and get that process moving on. And all the while, I've got Word documents and Excel spreadsheets of forms where I've input confidential information sent to various people in your organization. And I'm just very unclear as to what's happening with it. So the whole purpose of this is we need to create a mechanism by which you as a customer and, and me as a supplier can exchange master data in a very seamless and fluid manner, highly secure, fully auditable, so we understand what changes are being made and who's made the change and when, so we've got a, a complete history of what's going on, but also with a process that we've all understood aligns with the way in which you want to onboard someone into your organization. And that needs to be built into that process and, and give everyone the transparency. So, so that's really where we're coming from. And I think the challenge that we have at the moment, if you look at the market, there's a lot of technology out there. There's some fantastic solutions out in the market trying to hit on each of the various 
challenges that we have in procurement operations, whether that's in your RFP process or your contract management process, your your source to pay suites, you know, and all those kind of things. And each of them have their own onboarding mechanism because to get that system working, I've got to get some information from the supplier to push them through my process. And so very quickly, you can end up as a procurement team with three or four different records of that individual supplier, each in a different system. Each of them have slightly different takes on the information. They don't have the same identification methods, so it's very difficult to align those records with each other. They're accessible, obviously, to different people in the business because not everybody's involved in the RFP process. They may not come along until much later in the journey. And so it's almost impossible to build that holistic picture of what's going on. So, so that's really the, the, the issue that we're, we're trying to tackle. Now, one of the challenges that comes in is if you are, say, a FTSE 100 company, you might look at this and say, you know what, I'm just going to solve the problem by going to one of the big source to pay suites or one of those guys. I can afford them. I'll have one system. I'll have everything under one roof, a single master record, and that should hopefully get me out of this mess. But the reality that we found from working with some of our big customers is that they may deploy two or three of these systems, and these are big name systems, and they'll still need us to come in at the center to hook all those different data points together. So something in there isn't quite working. And that's really where we came from, you know, to try and provide that service. And you, you hit on a couple of in, interesting little points there that I'd like to expand on a little bit, because you're right. If there are other tools out there on the market that offer some of this functionality from you know what I what I understand, but usually it comes in conjunction with other functionality as well. An e-sourcing suite is a great example of this, that onboarding suppliers in an e-sourcing suite means onboarding them to enable the, to to enable them to participate in in RFXs or in e, or in e auctions but it doesn't necessarily collate the level of master data that you need to get them set up as a new vendor that you're going to transact with, uh, transact with further down the line and i mean I, i'm not an i'm not an expert in these big enterprise level source to pay suites you know i've never implemented one one of those i know people in my network that have but again they're not essentially master data management functionality in uh, but they don't necessarily have master data functionality built into their software they i guess they they exist to enable orders to be sent out and payments to be made but some of the other things that you need as part of your onboarding like compliance checks or like things like sustainability or corporate social responsibility surveys that you you're probably going to be asking some of your bigger more strategic vendors it doesn't necessarily deal with that so is it also with what you're doing within the reach of smaller businesses who just need a solution that don't have anything or, or are you marketing it more as an additional function for for bigger companies that maybe are already using a a, a procure to pay or an or an e sourcing suite. It's a it's a brilliant question. So um, we actually started our journey uh, as a partnership with two of you know what I would think of as the biggest companies in the world. You know both Fortune five hundred businesses. One um, provides commercial property management services uh, all over the world. The other supplies construction and mining machinery. 
Um, you recognize both of their names in a heartbeat. Um, and they came to us with the problem where they had these big systems and those systems weren't delivering for them. So is there a way in which we could construct something that can mediate that data exchange between ultimately their systems via their teams and their suppliers and start to create that, that central hub? And that's how we started our journey. And, and you know, they're obviously you know, globally used today you know across their organizations but actually where we've seen most success and if you look at um, where most of our customer base has come from and where we're, we're targeting ourselves is actually towards that smaller and medium end of the market who are still at this point in time relying on things like excel and word documents to collect information um, there's a, lot, there's a, lot, a lot of big companies that are reliant on well, that as well the truth be told absolutely absolutely um, but where, where the value of the system really starts to come in is, you know, this isn't just about, okay, give me a nice clean data set because that's brilliant. But what can you do once you've got that? I mean, the, the, the possibilities are endless once you've got a beautiful data set in front of you. I mean, one of the things I keep talking to the team about here is, you know, if you think about the, the, one of the fundamental challenges of procurement is that you've, you've got to make a purchase decision trying to balance a whole host of different factors, right? Yes, spend is important and how much I ultimately pay and whether I can generate a return on investment for what I'm buying from that supplier, that is a really important question. But I've got to balance that against risk. I've got to balance that against the quality of what I'm ultimately going to get from them. I've got to balance that against my environmental and diversity objectives as an organization, strategically where I'm trying to go. And ultimately, you're making a compromise. You know, you can't have all of those things from a single supply. You're going to have to take a judgment call as to which of those are most important. Well, how can you possibly do that if that information is siloed into multiple different systems? It just becomes impossible. And so your role actually it gets increasingly more complex. So, so a lot of um, where we're seeing success particularly at that, that sort of medium end of the market, is helping small procurement teams to augment their capability where we'll start to automate some of those more mundane manual administrative tasks, which is where a lot of time is lost within that sort of transactional uh, uh, you know, operation of procurement and release them to actually focus on what's more strategic and is going to really deliver value. And that's where we, we tend to see a lot of success. So just a quick interlude, because there are a couple of things that I really want to make you aware of, because I think they will be valuable for you. So number one, we now have a monthly newsletter where we bring you curated content of everything that's happening in the digital procurement space. If you want to get that, just head to procuretechpodcast.com forward slash newsletter, enter your name and email, and we'll get that delivered straight to your inbox. Number two, if you're a head of procurement or a center of excellence leader, and you're perhaps a little bit confused or overwhelmed with what's out there as best of breed digital procurement technology, especially if you're a mid-sized business, schedule a call with me. There's a link at the bottom of the show notes in this episode. Just hit that schedule a call link and we can have a quick chat to understand your challenges and what potential solutions out there may be suitable for your organization. And now let's get right back to this week's show.
And I think you, you've, t- you've touched on that with the efficiencies that it brings to procurement teams in terms of taking that administrative work off of a category manager. Let's look at some of the potential issues. So let's look at the more of the bleeding neck problem, if you will. What are the potential issues of supplier vendor master data being inaccurate? Because if, it, if it's being managed through an ERP, you know, you're going to get all of these problems like duplicates and, and incorrect bank data and vendor records not being updated because it's a reactive rather than a proactive process. So what, what issues come further downstream if your vendor, vendor master data is inaccurate? Well, I mean, I think I think you've touched on some already. You know, the 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 problems really are endless. I mean, we're, we're talking anything from at a at a fundamental operational level. You know, I end up paying the wrong supplier, or I end up paying the supplier into the wrong bank account. You know, embarrassing. You know, obviously, I've got to try and recover that and and so forth. But but further than that, you know, we've seen the issues, the headlines, for example boohoo.com and you know the the vendor they were working with to manufacture clothing and obviously what happened when they realized that there was you know a, a lot of labor force there that that probably shouldn't have been there um you know those reputational issues can be incredibly damaging you know if you enter into a relationship with a supplier who you really shouldn't have entered into a relationship with that can affect you for many years down the line so those problems I think we're still at a point as an industry of really understanding how it's bad data that is informing some of those bad decisions and how improving the quality of that data is going to start to help you become a better business. But, you know, I think it's starting now. And, you know, what what I think has been, if you like, a silver lining of the pandemic is that we've all suddenly realized that the quality of our master data is terrible, you know, to the extent that we don't even have the phone numbers of our suppliers to call them up and ask them if they're okay and if they need any help. Yeah, or email addresses are out of date or whatnot. Yeah, and, pe- and well, just people move on to different functions, don't they? So if an email, if a key account manager's email address was entered into the into the vendor master and then he, he or she moves on to a different role, it's it's just a, it's just a constantly moving target, isn't it? So, I mean, that leads me on actually to what I wanted to ask you next. And it's not necessarily just this particular issue, but I think it's one that's most commonplace. What are the problems with vendor duplications and how can, how can this damage your procurement data? And how can something like the solution that OCG has go about cleaning or, or rectifying this to, to make it sort of a single source of truth, which is, I suppose, the buzzword at the moment. Well, I think duplication is a huge topic, you know, and it's a real challenge. It's a real problem. I think we are all getting much better understanding of where it's coming from and why it's originating. You know, we talked before about the problem of having, you know, multiple ERPs, multiple different systems that are being used to execute on a particular component of the procurement function. Uh, but those records obviously not talking to each other. Ultimately, we all have a role in fixing this. This isn't something that a piece of technology is going to come in and miraculously, um, you know, clean up for you. So, you know, what's our role in this? You know, very simply, what we try to do is we try to flag to the user where we're seeing duplications and then allow a human to ultimately make the decision about what you want to do with that. You know, there are systems out there that will claim to use a clever piece of AI to try and dedupe your data and all that kind of stuff. In our experience, they don't work particularly well. 
because they just don't have the context of your business to be able to make a decision for you. I think where technology has a more valuable role is just making you aware of the problem. I think it's then up to you ultimately as an organization through your people and processes to determine what's the best way about going going about cleaning that up. Um, but where it really starts to get tricky and where something like our system can start to come into its own is, is in areas like, say, compliance data, for example. So, you know, we work with a, with a customer of ours. PwC is one of their suppliers. I don't know if you know, but in the UK, PwC has 17 different legal entities, each providing a different set of services. Now, I didn't know that. Every day is a school day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal, isn't it, how, how some of these organizations structure themselves. Now, from a spend perspective, you might be more interested in trying to understand how much are we spending with PwC as a whole because you're trying to renegotiate a global contract or you're trying to help you know, use that to leverage a better position in, the, in that discussion. But from a compliance perspective, each legal entity has its own obligations to you. You know, they're all going to have their own insurance. They're each going to need to adhere to your policies in a different way. They're all going to run health and safety in a different way. Um, so you need to have a system that's capable of handling that level of complexity. On the one hand, you know, I don't want to see duplicate records of PwC because I just need to see them all wrapped up as one spend number. But on the other hand, it matters to me that one part of their organization is compliant to provide a set of services and the other isn't, you know, for, for one reason or another. Um, so you need to have some technology that can handle that for you. And and that kind of leads into looking at different compliance levels, different onboarding processes for different types of vendors, because you're inevitably, if you're if you're dealing in a risky market or if you're dealing with trading commodities or that type of thing where where your supply chain could potentially be quite dirty or be or need to stand up to audits, that's an area where you're going to need more compliance and maybe asking more questions with your onboarding to ensure that your that your supply base is uh, is matching your, your your own standards around ethics. But then on the other hand, if you've just got if you've just got some some small company in a developed market that you're just going to transact with two or three times a year, that it's overkill, isn't it? And that's what that's what upsets small businesses and makes it so hard for them to do business with larger corporates is because you know a five person business that's maybe developing a a niche little piece of software for hr they're not going to have a diversity policy or a sustainability pro- policy or any of that type of stuff and and rightly so as a business that size so how can you differentiate then the onboarding process using a tool like this so as it's tailored towards vendors in a more sort of common sense ethos well, that's that's really where our rules engine starts to come into its own. So, you know, we will look at a supplier, and we will we the, the system uh, configured ultimately by the customer based on their understanding of what's important to them. We'll be able to look at the supplier, look at the request that's been made by the buyer to onboard them into the system, and understand okay, what is the right onboarding pathway to take that supplier down you know as you said are they you know a small business it's a one-off spend it's relatively low risk in terms of the service they're providing or the country or site they're providing it to 
So, you know, there's some very simple compliance we can cover off, but ultimately this is about collecting the correct trading information so I can pay them and we can put them down a much lighter path. But there are others, you know, take an electrician providing high voltage maintenance services, you know, maybe they're doing something on the roof of a building. Um, suddenly the risk is, is much greater. You've got somebody physically coming on site. You've got somebody potentially in a risky situation that will, in, in, that, in that building. Um, you know, it's important that I make sure that they do have the correct documentation, permits and licenses in place before they come in and start to do that. You may even want to have them complete some training, you know, uh, for, for, for the site they're coming into. You know, maybe we, we work with them building a nuclear power plant, you know, here in the UK. And you can imagine the kind of level uh, uh, of, of checks that needs to take place before as yeah. an individual subcontractor to come on site. So you've got to create that variation. The only way to do that is by having a system that can look at the supplier and understand, all right, this is the pathway I would take you down, you know, and make sure that, that that's adhered to. And that's having the necessarily the necessary agility to be able to balance the risk, you know, in terms of you know what do internal audit or risk management need to to satisfy their requirements, but at the same time applying a degree of common sense for a vendor that that is that is seen as low risk. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. and and I think this is this is you know part of the course, which is you know, and I'll say it again, you know, technology on its own doesn't solve problems. You know, technology is one component of a trifecta. I mean, you know, with with people and processes, you could even add data into there as well, and actually call it four fundamental pillars. You know, what we're doing is we're we're looking after your data, and you know, we're providing you with the tools to be able to start automating some of your processes. But ultimately, it's down to the incredibly talented people within your procurement teams and the processes in, that they adhere to to make sure that you're executing in the way that you think is correct. You know, and we should we should be using that. You know, we're not robots. We shouldn't be allowing technology to just entirely drive every decision that we make. The technology is there to support us, to present information to us in the right way. But ultimately, we've hired an incredibly talented team of people. You know, they're the guys who should be trying to take that decision for you. Be like Nick if you're listening to this and you're a procurement leader. Don't force nonsense onto onto your procurement teams. I love that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true, isn't it? You know, I mean, otherwise we'd automate the world and wouldn't it be boring? <laughs> if you're facilitating here more of a sort of self-serve model that suppliers can upload all of their documents into the system and it would automatically trigger what they need to do with as with, with as few touch points with an actual procurement person as possible there's always a risk that they just don't do it so what how do you ensure that the system stays up to date or or that suppliers don't just send emails to the buyer or the accounts person instead well so it's you've you've got to try and recognize that this is a two-way relationship you know at the end of the day the reason that you're doing business with that supplier is because they have something of value that can drive your business forward. You know, let's just let's just bring it back to first principles. That's ultimately why we're here. And there's an agreement in place that in return for that, the supplier is going to get compensated for the work that they're going to do. And everyone's happy. We've both built a successful business. We can both be proud of what we've delivered. And, you know, hopefully there's a long-term partnership there, you know, into the future. So it's a two-way relationship. And that information exchange similarly has to be a two-way relationship. So you can't go into this, you know, with your list of demands of all the things that you need that supplier to prove to you, you know, sort of like the uh, 
compliance police coming along and you know cracking the whip and saying hey supply you know you're 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 guilty till proven innocent which you know i have to say having been a supplier um sometimes it does feel like that you know going yeah. through some of these processes um you've got to recognize that you, you know the supplier also has some very important information they need to get from you as well such as well how should i invoice where should i collect my purchase orders who am I supposed to talk to? I mean, the number of times as a supplier, you're sitting there scratching your head going, you know what, I don't actually know who in the organization I need to contact about this particular issue. You know, my buyer doesn't know the the uh, uh, accounts at uh, inbox, <laughs> which is the only way I get to talk to my the finance team. You know, they don't know either. Um, you know, who is it that I should talk to about a particular issue? So if you can create that exchange of information, what you end up with is a situation where you're empowering the supplier to actually want to update their information and maintain their record because they're getting something in return from that as well. So that's really important in terms of the way in which we set the platform up, that it's, you know, it's not just a one-way dialogue. You know, this is something where the supplier can come in and actually be proud of the profile that they, they've built. And then, you know, once you've done that, you can start to think about, all right, where are there other opportunities? So for example, you know, for my preferred supplier list, say, you know, would it be interesting for them to be able to submit some marketing information to me through the portal? So I'm kept up to date with some of the latest product and uh, and technology developments they might be working on. Um, you know, is it interesting that I can start to collaborate with them over a particular piece of innovation, you know, which has happened before, you know, on our system and, you know, has been very successful for both the supplier and the customer in that particular uh, instance? Um, so, you know, you start to create that that opportunity for, for there to be a conversation that takes place. But obviously, you know, fundamentally at the core of it, this is about maintaining that master record and ensuring you've got all the information in one place. And there are two things that I will take from that. The first thing is that people and process and technology mashed together they're the three ingredients for success. You know, you can't just you can't just automate a crap process. And and the other one is, yeah, once you've got the foundations right, you can obviously build on that and and and, and use a platform such as this as uh, as more of an exchange of information. So as things like marketing presentations or, or or new product developments don't get stuck on someone's C drive or in their inbox, and then they leave the company or move on to another role. It's uh, and that ha- that happens more than we like to admit. Absolutely. I mean, as a buyer, right, it's happened to me. I've gone into a new category and I've had a handover, but then the person's left. And, you know, in the best case, you know, you actually get a handover, the person leaves, and then you realize that they've taken half the stuff with them on their C drive. And it happens more often than we'd like to admit. So final question, Nick, and this one's a really easy one. Um, If anyone would like to learn more about this or get in touch with you, uh, what's the best place for people to contact you? Uh, you can head straight to our website. There's the ability to contact us through there. Um, there's also lots of information on there, you know, from work that we've done in the past and, um, uh, you know, access to, to case studies and, you know, some of the information that we're putting out there. Um, we also run uh, a monthly procurement roundtable, which is, you know, certainly for me has been a really inspiring uh, journey to to meet such an incredible group of people. You know, I'm not traditionally from the procurement industry. I'm from the other side. I'm I'm from the supplier side, uh, and it's been fantastic to to run these sessions. These take place monthly, entirely virtual, usually with a guest speaker, where we pick a t- a, a topic and we start talking about it. You know, and if you'd like to be part of that, then please feel free to get in touch. 
and let me know and I will certainly add you to the guest list. Nick, it's been great speaking to you and learning more about what this can do. And I think we're both singing from the same hymn sheet here that this is a pretty simple problem to solve if you have the right people and the right processes and you can get the tech to do the heavy lifting. So thanks again for coming on the show. All the best and speak soon. Thanks so much, James. Wonderful to be here. So that, ladies and gentlemen, really does show that people, processes and technology collaborating or working together in an in a harmonized way is really essential for any digital transformation success and something as simple really as vendor master and vendor onboarding and vendor data management is a classic example of how things often go wrong when the process is not thought out or when the people are not engaged in making it work, regardless of what digital technology you have that's driving it. If indeed you do have any, a lot of people are still using email and Excel to do this. So thank you for listening to another episode. I do appreciate every one of you that tunes in. There are a lot of other procurement podcasts out there now, and I'm very, very happy that you've chosen to listen to us. We'll be back again same time next week. Until then, look after yourself. Keep being productive and driving value and see you soon. Bye-bye.